I was doing some work recently on the laws of the termination of employment. We had a share a few weeks ago. We discussed employment at will and not. One of the other areas of this general topic I was working on was the notion of severance, severance pay, and pensions in halacha. Interesting topic because there is really nothing. There is really nothing in halacha in native halacha. Virtually nothing on severance pay. Halacha, traditional halacha is pretty laissez-faire about employment. It's very uh, kind of libertarian, Ayn Randian. You sign a contract, you, know, you don't sign a contract, you have a verbal contract. Both parties are expected to live up to their obligations under the contract. Contract is over. Parties have no further obligations. You can hire a worker. He can work for you for 20 years, 30 years. You, de- you decide he's no longer, uh, it's no longer working. You fire him. Again, we discussed back then, when can you fire, but you fire him. And then you don't owe him a penny. And that's pretty much the way things work in the United States as well, unless you have negotiated a, some kind of pension, some kind of severance in a contract. There's no fundamental legal requirement to pay workers any kind of severance or pension. This is not the case in, other, in, in, in all countries. In other countries, particularly those with a more socialist uh, bent, some European countries, Israel, severance is actually a legal requirement. There, there are all kinds of protections for labor, stronger protections for labor than we have in the United States, and severance and pensions of some sort can actually be a requirement. Halacha, however, as, as we've said many times, halacha in many ways has a laissez-faire model that uh, people have a, a high degree of freedom of contract. Just because you hire somebody, if you didn't stipulate any kind of payment in your contract and any kind of severance pay, you're under no obligation to pay. Beginning about a century ago, however, as the, the rest of the world began to uh, embrace the ideas of pensions, I suppose, various poskim, various chuvasvarim began to address the, the notion of pensions. And the consensus, the, the pretty much the, 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 the general consensus was, as I said, although there is no, although, as I said, there is no formal, rigorous, halachic requirement to pay any kind of severance, it is nevertheless strongly recommended as Lefimashur Sadin, and for other reasons, as we'll discuss, if, if there is an actual minog, there's a clear prevailing custom, then it may actually be din. Or if din and if the law requires it, maybe it'll be din, certainly if there's a minog. But in the absence of a minog, Poskim generally agreed there's, that there's no obligation. Nevertheless, Poskim also generally agreed that it is uh, intuitively, morally obvious that an employer has a, a kind of moral obligation to his employees even if he has no formal contractual obligation, LP did. So we'll discuss tonight a couple of the early chuvas on this topic, two or three of the early prominent chuvas on this topic. One is by Ramosha Perlmutter, one is by Rabbi Avram Steinberg, and maybe we'll get to a third one later by Rabbi Sal Stern. Ramosha per- Perlmutter is a favorite of mine. He's not, he's not the best-known posig from a century ago. He, 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 wrote, he wrote a number of svarim, chuva svarim, on Choshen Mishpat and other areas, which I find, uh, I, I like very much. They're, they're, very, they're very clear. He writes very lucidly, very cogently. I, he, he wasn't apparently one of the Gedolia Poskim of his time. He was a, a rub. He has askamas from prominent Rabbanim. He's not well known today, as I said, but nevertheless, on Choshen Mishpat, I find his tshuvas to be uh, very satisfying in that they're very logical, very straightforward, and very lucid. In particular, he discusses a number of Modern, modern questions, questions that arise due to modern commercial custom and modern business expertise, m- modern, modern business, uh, business customs. Tonight we're going to discuss his tshuva on severance. He, he has another classic tshuva where he discusses the notion of vicarious liability. If an employee of a company causes, causes a customer an injury, is the business liable or is only the employee liable? Again, according to traditional halacha, the employee is liable. A business can say, it's not our fault, we didn't do anything wrong. Go, go sue him personally. Obviously, in the, in the modern world, we have an expectation that if you are injured by the agent of a company, the company is liable. And he has a tshuva where he, where he addresses this. He tries, he tries to uh, see whether halacha would recognize such a notion as well, based on minhag and so on. See, 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 he has these, uh, these very astute kind of you know, modern, you know, early modern discussions. Again, it's not like in, let's say, Arachayim and Yardea, where modern questions involve new technology or new, uh, new science. Here, it's just uh, customs. There are modern customs, modern commercial frameworks, and, 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 and he, has some, he has some classic chuvas discussing these scenarios. 
So one of his tshuva, so the one we're going to study tonight, is his tshuva on severance and pensions. So the, the tshuva actually has two components. The, the case itself it begins with a, a worker who was injured on the job. So half the tshuva discusses whether the business has any liability for his injury, to compensate him for his injury, because he was injured in the course of service to the company. He, he basically rules that there's no such thing, that he, he rules that particularly in his case he says there's no such obligation. Then he discusses the general notion of severance, which he argues there's a chiv to pay l'fnim ishur zadin. So let's take a look at his tshuva. It's an interesting tshuva. So we'll, we'll skip the first one for the moment, the Mari Vile. We'll get back to it a little bit later. But uh, beginning with the second entry on the list, Shalz Tshuvas Evan Shoham. Uvdahaya Po Bishnas Tafresh Samaches. An episode occurred in the year Tafresh Samaches, that is 1908. He was the Shamash, the, he was uh, an employee. Of a of a Biker Cholom organization, we have one here in town. So they had a Biker Cholom organization as well, and this Shamash was apparently a paid employee of this Biker Cholom operation. The Gamla Kabetz Most, the Darmu Nedavos, Me'anshim is Palam Beziknesa Shal Biker Cholom. Back then, the the Chevros were sometimes affiliated with shuls. People in shuls paid who uh, daven in the shul paid some kind of dues to the or, or donations. They made donations for the Biker Cholom organization affiliated with the shul. That was one of his jobs, was to collect these pledges. People made pledges, and, you know, some things don't change that much. Today we do it by mail and email. Back then, apparently, part of his job involved knocking on doors to remind people of their pledges and collect the pledges. They didn't have checks, and they didn't, have, uh, they didn't, really, they didn't really have checks the way we do, and Zelle, and wiring, and credit card, and PayPal. So his job was to go knocking on doors to collect the donations. Vayikar Mikra, an unfortunate uh, accident occurred. He was walking one night, he was walking at night uh, on his rounds to collect these donations. He broke a leg. He was convalescent, he was homebound for six months while the leg healed. Even after the, the leg healed, he, 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 can, he can get up and get around, but he's not really... Uh, he never got back to his uh, original agility. He requires uh, a cane or a walker. So he, he's, he's an invalid now. He can walk, but not, not well, and he can no longer do his job. He's no longer fit for any kind of business due to his disability. He's out of a job, and he has no means of support. So he's in a terrible situation. He can't do his old job. He can't get a new job. He has no way of supporting his family. So he, 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 he asked, he demanded of the organization, He asked for them to maintain him, to keep paying him the same compensation that he was paid before the accident. Even though he can't do the job, he wants to receive 100% of his previous salary as disability pay, essentially. They chose Rabbi Perlmutter and two other Dayanim. Um, to tell them, in, 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 order to, uh, in, in order to let them know, in order to let them know uh, what what the halach is, I, I should I should I should tell them what the I should tell them what the what the what the halach is in this case. In matzedikim and meshamish anal, does he have a valid claim? Hello, v'gam ta'anu. They also said that to, to to support their case, to support the fact that they were behaving well to, to him, that they, they were not uh, they were not being stingy with him. They they, they noted they they claimed. That throughout throughout the period of his convalescence, when he was uh, laid up in bed, Berach Shisha Chadashim, Nirpam and Kasev they paid for his medical care. V'gam Nasim Lo Kolim and Kolim and Mishkavo B'Chal Shavua B'Shavua Kfid Me'as Kiris Tosh Nasim Lo Mikodim Berach Shmona Rubel Kasev B'Chal Shavua B'Shavua. While he was sick, while he was recovering for the six months, they paid him at the same rate his salary, which was eight rubles a week. V'gam Shalu and Muter Lehem Levatra Avur of Losis Lo Me'amos Asher Hu Avur B'Kacholim. They asked. Even if we want to do the right thing, let's say we want to be generous to this fellow, we feel bad for him, we would like to pay him. But whose money are we paying? We're dealing with, we're dealing with communal funds. We're dealing with Moses of Tzedakah. Every ruble we give him, 
is one ruble less that we have to attend to the needs of the, of the, of the sick in the city. Our budget involves thousands of rubles per year. So we operate in the red. We, our expenses are greater than our, than our income, than our receipts. If we will spend lavishly on him the money that we collect for the members of Bikr Cholom, which was earmarked and collected for Bikr Cholom, if we spend all this money on him, Again, if for six months they paid him uh, for half a year, so it's about 25, 26 weeks, they paid him uh, eight rubles a week. So you're talking about um, about 200 rubles, 400 rubles a year. That's a substantial amount of money. That Their budget was a few thousand a year. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say, he says many thousands a year. But I guess four, 400 rubles a year was a substantial amount. If, if, if they take that money out of, the, out of the fund to pay him, then they have 400 rubles less a year to, to, to support... Uh, the mission of the Bikr Cholom. So, there's rules. A Gabbai Tzedakah has a certain discretion, but he can't just use the money for any good purpose. And if the money was collected for Bikr Cholom, how do we have the right to spend it to pay this person a pension? We, we said that they are they are fundamentally correct. That al pi they are correct. They have no obligation to him. Ach ki amru ki They offered him, out of the goodness of their heart, they offered him three hundred rubles. It sounds like that was a one-time payment to three hundred rubles. I'm not sure. They offered him three hundred rubles. Al kein Since they had said at some point in the negotiations they were willing to pay three hundred rubles. We recommended that our, our, our psaq is going to be that pay that, even though you're not mechuyi about pidin, since you're willing to offer that much anyway, pay that as, uh, as a matter of l'fim mishur sadin. So that was the basic verdict, and now this is really the introduction to the tshuva. For the rest of the tshuva, he's going to explain how he arrived at this conclusion, how he arrived at, on the one hand, that they are pater al pidin, on the other hand, that they should pay something l'fim mishur sadin. Va'ata amarti says, now I'm going to explain l'vayar bez Hashem yisparach, so now I'm going to explain the halacha. So again, we said earlier the idea of paying a pension or severance in general is pasha. There's no such thing in halacha. There, there's no basis for paying any kind of actual pension in halacha. Meikredin. So what, what most of his tshuva is about, I only excerpted a small part of it, but what most of his tshuva is about is the, the disability question. Since he was injured on the job, is there any basis for holding them liable for, for, holding them liable for his injury? And his basic answer is no. So the, the background, the framework for this discussion is something we've, we've touched on in the past, and that is halacha does have a notion of wrongful death, Halacha does have a, 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 an idea that if you cause someone's death, then even if al pi din Torah, al pi din mazik, you're you have a strong moral responsibility. You have to do tshuva, you need some kind of kapara, and part of that penance is to, uh, is to compensate the person for the injury. We've spoken about cases involving, involving uh, firearm injuries where somebody accidentally discharged a firearm and killed somebody else. We've this, um, what, one of the cases that, that I'm, I, I'm often struck by, especially now that I have an infant, is uh, there, there are a number of chuvas, and he actually brings one or two of them in, in his discussion. There are a number of chuvas about women who killed their babies by smothering them in sleep or so on. When, when my wife and I discuss uh, you know, things like co-sleeping or letting the baby fall asleep in bed, which many mothers do, so we, 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 we go by the book. We, we tend to follow the, the pediatrician recommendations, which is not to do that. And my, my wife always reminds me, you're the one always telling me about all these terrible tshuvas, going back to say from Lachim, the two women who came to Shlomo Melech, you're the one always telling me about all these tshuvas about women who slept with their babies in bed and the baby was found dead in the morning. We're not doing that. So yes, there are tshuvas about wrongful death in those cases. And uh, so what, the, what, what a Perlmutter does is he brings a number of these tshuvas discussing wrongful death. And even when you're not Namash Amazik, but if you bear some level of moral culpability for sending somebody to his death, there is a doctrine in the postgame that you have some degree of liability, even if it's not a, a din mazik, which is collectible and based in, 
you have, a, you have a certain amount of moral responsibility, and he discusses whether that applies in his case. So he opens with a tshuva of the marriage. Yes? Hi, it's Aaron. Just, just a quick question but before you uh, proceed. Yes. Because um, there is this notion of Hanukkah for, um, for an Evid Ibri when they leave. Yes. So Dr. Sapis is mentioning the notion of Hanukkah. The Pasuk says, Hanek Taniklo. And I don't know if you have the handout, but uh, I, if, you look no. in the, if you look in the sources later in the handout, I'll send it out again, maybe. That's what we're going to discuss a little bit later in the share. But yes, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. The postkim, the postkim who discussed Lefimashur's din and severance, what they, what they prim, what their, their primary model for this, yes, is the din of Hanakav Evadivri, and we'll get to that a little bit later. So thank you, yes. Thanks. So regarding this question of wrongful death, so he begins the discussion with the Mari Vail. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Vail was, one, was an early, was a, well, not early, he was one of the latest to be shown, he was a 15th century German posik. He was one of, the, one of the outstanding, most important German authorities of that generation, along with the Maril and some others. So he, he deals with a lot of questions of tort and, uh, and you know, civil claims in his safer. And one of his questions deals with a, one of his questions deals with exactly this kind of question, someone who, someone who, um, someone who went to his death while, while acting in, while, while doing something in the service of another. The question is, does he have any, uh, does the person who sent him, does the person who sent him have any liability? The Marival was, uh, lived actually in the 14th, 15th century. He lived, uh, he was born in the late 14th century. He died around, around mid-15th century. He was one of the, one of the most important German postmen of his time. He deals briefly with the following case. He says that, again, he, he's a little short on details, so we don't know exactly what happened, but basically... He says, Rabbi Ezra, a man named Rabbi Ezra, was killed while on shlichus, while executing some commission for someone else. So does the person who sent him have any liability? So he brings an Agatha Gemara, which is not usually how we establish halacha, but he brings an Agatha Gemara, that Hashem told David, David, you are being blamed for various people who were killed by others in the course of your career. The Kohanim of Nov, the Kohanim of Nov, Irakanim, they were killed because of you. We'll discuss how they were killed in a moment. Al Yadcha Nerag Doeg Vachitofel, Doeg and Achitofel were killed because of you. Via you, Al Yadcha Nergu Shol Vishlosh's Banav, because of you, Shol and his three sons were killed. So, and you're going to get punished. Ritzoncha Yechlezarecha, you have a choice of three terrible punishments. Your, your issue will, uh, will, will be destroyed. You'll be given in the hands of the enemy, or, or there'll be, I think, a. Uh, or a, or a third, a third option. So he says, even though you see Alma Afak of the David Melach Lo Pasha, Al Vashalom Lo Pasha Bamidi, he didn't do anything wrong. Rakshal Yado Bola Takala Filuachi Nenash. Since these terrible accidents came about via him, he was punished. What happened here exactly? No Virakonim. David was in flight from Shaul Hamelach. Shaul believed he was a traitor, that he was rebelling against him. So Shaul was trying to kill him. In the course of his uh, of his flight. He took shelter with Novir Akonim. They, they harbored him. They gave him food. When Shoal found out what happened, he ordered the city wiped out. Now, that wasn't David's fault. He certainly, uh, he certainly didn't mean to get them in trouble. You can argue that it was, maybe you can argue that it was reckless for him to ask them to harbor a, a fugitive, knowing what he knew of Shoal's wrath toward him. But uh, the, the, the Mary Val understands David was not negligent. David did not anticipate that that would happen. The, the killing of Shaul and his three sons, they died in a war against the Plishtim. It's hardly David's fault directly. The, yet, because it happened via the whole, uh, the, whole, the whole quarrel with David, David is somehow, it's, it, I, I don't know the details, I'm not sure exactly why it's considered to have happened via David, but the David is being blamed for it, even though, it's not, even though David was not negligent anywhere, since it happened via him, it happened through what he did, he was going to be punished, he had to choose one of these terrible punishments, Certainly here, where it was, it was, it was in the, the commission he was, he, was, he was acting on for you, this came about. You have to worry about being punished by Hashem. And Vitov, to avert the, the Yisurin from Shemayim, you should preemptively accept some kind of penance. Vitov should You should voluntarily accept penance. Fasting for 40 days. If he has young children, if the victim has young children, 
you should give them something, uh, help support them, according to what you can afford, by doing this, by trying to make amends to the person who died while working for you, you can, you can hope to avoid uh, misfortune befalling you. Another Gemara, Gemara and Shabbos, anyone, anyone who's in a position where his friend is nenash al his friend is punished because of him, even though, again, he didn't do it, it's not his fault, but, but somehow if your friend is punished because of you, then then you're not then then you can't be in uh, I, th- I think that uh, okay so so we have this idea even when you're not negligent but if somebody if if through you if because of you misfortune befalls somebody else you have moral responsibility says about Perlmutter, so we can argue that in this case too he, he got injured while working for while working for the Beaker Kolum. So maybe, maybe that itself is a reason for, uh, for them to have some kind of liability, even if they, even if they weren't actually, even if, even if they weren't actually at fault, maybe nevertheless, that, that, uh, maybe nevertheless that, that's a reason why they should bear some degree of culpability, and therefore they should, just like, my, just like Marival says, they should pay money to the, they should pay money to the, they should pay money to the, to the children, or they should pay money to the victim, in our case, he's still alive, he's still alive, that the, so may, maybe there maybe there is some basis for paying for paying him uh, for paying for paying some money to him. Okay, so that's that's his initial suggestion. However, uh, Perlmutter then goes on and brings a number of other tshuvas. We're not going to get into all the details. The wrongful death is a whole separate topic. He brings a number of other tshuvas which limit this idea, which say that if it's a person's own fault, if he brought the accident in, on himself, uh, that, that 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 it's not fair to blame the. To, to assign any degree of culpability to the employer, he brings he, he brings one shuva from the marshal. The marshal brings the marival, but the marshal says that in his case the, the, the marshal the marshal's concern doesn't apply. What happened in the marshal's case? So the in the in the marshal the marshal's case he brings as follows. He says there was a there was a. Um, he says there was a man who was traveling to Danzig with, uh, along with an attendant, a young man in attendance. The kid was a difficult character. He got into a fight with, uh, with an Anjou who was also traveling on this ship to Danzig. And the, the, the Nanju said, he told, the, he told this fellow's companion, if you don't punish this kid, then I'm going to throw him into the water. So I'm going to throw him overboard. I just can't deal with this kid anymore. If, if you don't discipline him, I'm going to discipline him for you, and my, you're not going to like my method. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll, I'll punish this fellow. So he tried to grab the, he tried to grab the kid, and uh, he, could, he couldn't get him. He asked an Anju to help him. Pretty hair-raising story to chase down this, this kid and, and catch him and punish him. And, the, and so, so they were chasing him, and the kid ran away. And he fell into some kind of cistern, and uh, and he died. And the question was, does the person who was trying to apprehend him bear any liability for this? Chuva and kapara. He says, no, no chuva, no kapara. This is not like the Marival. He says because this is the person's uh, own fault. He says he was he was running around recklessly. He was even though you were chasing him, but you know you have the right to chase him to discipline him. I guess he shouldn't have jumped into the he shouldn't have jumped into that kind of blaming the victim. He shouldn't have jumped in there. It's his fault. It's his. Uh, gets into all discussion. Chazal said people don't always look where they're going. It's not somebody's fault if he trips on the road. He goes back and forth on this. But I'll call upon him when there's contributory negligence on the part of the victim. We blame the victim and we say it's not. We don't assign blame to the person who uh, is somehow responsible for bringing about his death. If if we if we can pin the blame on the victim himself, it's a pretty uh, a pretty uh, harsh standard. But that's what the marshal says. That's what some of the posts can bring. So that's one argument against. Uh, that's one argument against, against assigning blame in this case. The Perlmutter says, going back to his case, he says, after he brings a number of these chuvas, he says, the Hever Bikrachalm has no liability here. He says he should have watched where he was going and, and, and not tripped at night. He shouldn't have gone at night at all, he says, who asked him to make his rounds at night, which is less safe. He should have gone during the day. Because of these kinds of arguments, he says, it's not really fair to, it's not really fair to hold the Hever Bikrachalm liable at all, even even in the sense of requiring tshuva, there's no actionable claim against him, but even in the sense of needing tshuva and kapara, even in the sense of having a chiyu there's not really basis, he says, to hold them liable. Furthermore, he argues this idea of liability for tshuva is really only when the person dies, 
when he's merely injured, that's, that's, not, that's not as severe. So he says that, that, that there, isn't a, there isn't really a case to hold him liable. So he goes on for a while. Uh, again, we're not going to get uh, too deeply into the details of this line of argument. But he argues, yes, even though we have a long string of chuvas on wrongful death, where posts can go back and forth, that's when it's death, and that's where there was no fault at all on the part of the victim. In our case, where it was the victim's carelessness itself, he says, even though he was doing it while doing the job, and he didn't die, therefore he argues that there's no real basis for holding the Hevra Speaker Column liable, uh, Hevra Speaker Column liable, Meikra did. Okay, but then, getting back to the idea of severance and pension, in the last part of the tshuva, he returns to that, and he says as follows. And as far as I know, he's really the first one, the first posik I've seen, to really discuss severance in a, in a halachic, in a, uh, in, in a practical halachic fashion. There are a number of other tshuvas within the next century, throughout the 20th century, there are uh, another, another bunch of tshuvas. As far as I know, he's pretty much the first one to talk about it. And he says, there are one or two earlier tshuvas that, that, that touch on it in a cursory way, but he, he's really the first one to directly address the issue in a substantial way. He writes, as he mentioned earlier in his summary of the, back in the beginning of the tshuva, he writes, the top of the second page, the Gaboim said that willing to accept our, our opinion, not just uh, as to the din itself, but even as to the Yosher. Whatever we feel is right, even if it's not strictly obligatory Alpidin, is what we talk about a lot in Chosher Mishpat, that there, there is what you're chayev to do strictly Alpidin, then there's Lofimashur din. And these Gaboim said, we want to do the right thing, so whatever you tell us is right, we'll do it, even if it's not strictly required by din. Therefore, uh, Perlmutter says, they, they had said they're willing to make some payment to him. They had said they're willing to give him 300 rubles. They, they promised him 300, so they, they, they shouldn't uh, renege on that offer. They were arguing that it's not our money. So we, we, never, we certainly never meant to pay out of our own money. And as to the donations, who said we have the right to make that decision, to spend the donation money on... On a uh, disability pension, disability payments to you. That, that's not what we raised the money for. Says Rabbi Perlmutter, nope, that's not a problem. He says, They give you the discretion to disperse the money as you see fit. And if you see fit, based on what I tell you about the Yosher, this is the right thing to do, they, then you, you automatically have the consent of the Gabayim as well. This is a very interesting question. There's a lot more to say about this. So we're not going to go into it more deeply tonight, but. Is this really true in general? Can, can Gabay Tzedakah spend the money, whatever, whatever they want, whatever, whatever judgment uh, they make, uh, even if it wasn't anticipated originally by the donors? That's a very important question. You have this all the time with Tzedakah. They, they, they want to spend the money in ways where the donors, uh, do they have to ask the donors before embarking on new plans or before deviating from their typical expenditures? These are important questions in Elchot Tzedakah. But in the, he, he just takes for granted that in this case, he says uh, they have, they, they order, they're assumed to have the consent of the donors to disperse the money as they see fit. And if I tell them that, that the right thing to do is to spend the money on this person's severance and this person's disability, then they, they have the right. They don't, have to, they don't have to get the donors to sign off. Furthermore, and now, he, and now we get to the Hanukkah, what Dr. Saipis mentioned before, Gam Laniyas Daiti says, Yesh Gam Chiyav Hanukkah, V'zelashonachimach. So Hanukkah is a pasuk in, in Re'eh. It's a couple of pasukim in Pashas Re'eh. The Torah is discussing Everett Ivri. It says, you have an Everett Ivri. He works for you for six years. Seventh year, you send him free. Teshalachenu chavshi me'imach. V'chisa shalachenu chavshi me'imach. When you send him free, lo shalachenu re'kam. Do not send him away empty-handed, the Torah says. Hanek tanek lo. Give him gifts. Give him, award him these gifts. Mitzonecha, from your sheep. Umigarnecha, from your granary. From your wine presses, from whatever Hashem has blessed you with, give him a share. Remember, you were in Everton Mitzrayim, and Hashem took you out, and therefore I command you to behave sympathetic with sympathy toward your servants. So the, the Torah says you give an every every Hanukkah. Lahalacha Hanukkah is limited to every every. Lahalacha, it has no application, to, strictly speaking, it has no application to workers. It's limited to every every, which doesn't apply with Manazeh. However, there is a famous passage in the Sefer Achinach. The Sefer Achinach, for every mitzvah, he discusses the source of the mitzvah, the basic definition of the mitzvah, the reasons for the mitzvah. In this case, he says, Dover Muskel, who it's uh, self-evident, it's rational, doesn't require much explanation. He discusses the Dineha mitzvah, 
At the very end, he, he then has a final summary of what you would have to do to violate the mitzvah. At the end of the mitzvah of Hanukkah, the Chinuch writes, really the mitzvah, he, he always tells you when the mitzvah applies, only Bizman Abayas and Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlar. So this mitzvah, he says, really only applies whenever it applies, which is only Bizman Abayas, for the basic mitzvah stood. However, in a famous, famous line, he writes, Mikol makom af bizman chacham v'yosef lekach. The chacham should extrapolate from this mitzvah that this is the Ratzon Hashem, that Hashem wants people to treat their workers with sympathy, respectfully, and not just uh, exactly what it says in the contract, not a penny more. And the Chacham should be Mosef Lekach, Shem Sachar Echen Rebnei Yisrael, Va'avdoz Man Merubo, Afilu Muat, He worked for you, She'yanik Lo B'Tseisom Imo, Kashabarach Hashem. You should give the workers some kind of severance when he leaves you. So the Chinuch is not saying it's strictly a din. Uh, the Minchas Chinuch calls it Musra Atov. He calls it the Musra of the, uh, the, Musra of the Sefer HaChinuch. But the Mishkan Musra Atov, this Minchas Chinuch says, it applies to Zman Azeh. But many, so many poskim bring this Chinuch, bring the Sefer HaChinuch, that even though, strictly speaking, there's no obligation uh, to pay any kind of severance, but there is a, a clear model for an ethical uh, imperative to give some kind of an ethical an, an ethical uh, argument to give some kind of severance, and that is the mitzvah of Hanukkah. So back to Rai Perlmutter, he says that Rai Perlmutter says that even now al pi ikra din there's no chiv, but the chinuch says that there is a chiv Hanukkah mitzad Musr. and he says he says even this applies even when the even when the Evid got sick, he still has to give him Hanukkah, He says, and even though the share the Gemara gives a share of thirty shekel. That's a minimum, he says. That's the that's a floor. The mitzvah is to give upward of that if if you're doing well, depending on how how much fortune, how much God, divine providence smiled on your affairs, you should give more. Based on what Hashem has given you. So that means if he gives you more, you you, you should have a, you should, you, there's a responsibility to uh, to, uh, to to give more. So uh, Pearl Mother says. That that uh, the shrasha mitzvah is to acquire good milos, good midos, and um, we said we should acquire uh, noble midos, uh, sen- midos of sensitivity to others. And davar muskalu ve'entzach laharachbo, and he says ishanal this mishamesh, this uh, attendant of the chevrus milos hasadim, avad tovus acholim, he worked on behalf of the cholim. It is clearly, at the very least, for them to give him some kind of severance. The other two dayanim is kimuimadi. They agreed that we should recommend, we should encourage giving of Hanukkah, giving of some kind of severance, especially because they had promised they would do so. They paid it, and that's the end of the story. People often ask, when we do these chuvas, when we read about these Dine Torah, people often ask me, did they pay? How did it end up? Usually we don't know. In this case, he tells you, they did actually pay. They paid as per his recommendation. So that is Rabbi Perlmutter's tshuva. Another early tshuva is in the Sefer Machs Avram. Machs Avram is by Rabbi Avram Steinberg. Rabbi Steinberg is a better-known postic than Rabbi Perlmutter. Rabbi Steinberg was a, was a very influential, important postic. He was born in Tafresh Zion, so that would be 1847. He died in Tafresh Peches, so that's, that's uh, 1928. He was the Rav of Brody, a famous city. A, a famous city. He was a he, he was a, he, he, he was a very important Rav of that time. His tshuvas are in the Machse Avram. He was asked about a little more complicated case. What happened was there was a shochet who passed away. He left over a son. Uh, the son was also capable of doing shechita. So the shochet had been on the payroll of the community. Apparently, the, the community was continuing to pay money both to the shochet himself, to the son of the shochet, who was still doing some kind of shechita work, as well as to the widow and other dependents of the, of the deceased shochet. They were paying various sums, both to the new shochet and to the family. Then they decided to uh, revamp their budget, and they wanted to cut off or reduce the money that they were paying to the almana. So the question is, what kind of rights does, do the almana, does, do the dependents of the old shochet have? Alpidin. Now again, there was apparently nothing explicit in the contract. There was no contractual pension or you know, any, with a right of survivorship. There was, no, there was no written legal right that the family had, that the dependents had. 
but they felt entitled to it. They, 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 the feeling was they deserved it, that, that, that he had been a shokit for the community, he had served them faithfully and well, and they shouldn't cut off his dependents by, uh, by, by cutting back, by, by, by paring back their stipends. So not all the details in the case are entirely clear, but that seems to be roughly what was happening. He writes, They should not reduce her allowance. Not from the prast, some kind of stipend they gave her, the shelter needs to often take some kind of percentage of some of the meat and some of the animal products as part of the salary. You shouldn't cut back her share of any of this. Kibamas, he says, the ben really is taking over, the son is taking over the position of the father. Really, he should get the same stipend that his father was getting. Whatever salary they paid the father, they should pay the son. The community reduced his stipend because they were paying some of it, they were continuing to pay some of it to the widow and the, and the other orphans of the, of the shokin. So basically, they were, they, were, they were still paying the same compensation, but they were splitting it among the, among the heir who was, who was taking over the position and the other family members of the shokin. From Yigru Mechela Kalmana, if now they're going to want to cut back her allowance, they're essentially cutting back the Shokotobodik's total compensation. And even though they could say, well, that was with our father, that, that deal doesn't apply to you, but as we discussed in, the, in my Pasha share this week, the, the halacha has the idea that positions of communal authority are really inheritable, the, 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 the son has the right to the same arrangement they had with the father. Even though he says, uh, he brings it to Vrechayim, Communities do have the right to renegotiate their compensation just because they've been paying somebody a certain salary for a, certain, for a period of time. They have the right to say, our budget now requires a different arrangement. They do have the right to adjust the compensation. He says, however, he says, There were apparently two shokhtim, and they were not cutting back the salary of the second shokhtim. Why should they cut back this one's compensation? That's not fair. Then, now he gets into the general question of, uh, of severance in general. Din hayasher batov, echoing Rabbi Perlmutter's language, the din of, even though mi'ikra din, a worker who's no longer working, is not entitled to any kind of severance, to any further compensation, that's mi'ikra din, that's certainly true. However, din hayasher batov, there's an ethical responsibility, a responsibility of yasher batov, litain laalmana, afim lo even if nobody's taking over the position. To continue to pay the, the whatever allowance, whatever salary you were paying, to continue to pay it to the widow, as a form of severance, uh, as a, to severance to his to his dependents, that is yasher v'tov. Yisrael. That is the universal custom in Israel that when that when a community or maybe even an individual, certainly a community, when they have a worker like this who dies in service, they continue paying the compensation to the dependents to the widow of the of the worker. I in midrash vayechi. Certainly when there is a, someone who's taking over the position, So again, he argues, you're right, there's no obligation to keep paying, but there is an obligation of Yashar V'tov. The question is now, can Bastin enforce Yashar V'tov? So Rabbi Perlmrader got around that by saying, they asked me, they, they said they want my opinion on Yashar V'tov, they want to follow my opinion on Yashar V'tov as well. In the Maxi Avram's case, it wasn't clear that they had agreed, they had explicitly agreed to do Yashar V'tov. So the question is, good, Basin feels it's Yashar V'tov. Does Basin have the right to demand conduct uh, according to this higher standard from the community? So he says, yes, Ayin Choshen Mishpat, in the laws of Dayanim, the Yesh Omrim, the Kofen al Sadin. This is a very surprising halacha, but there is an opinion. Basin has the right to compel people to act in line with the higher standard of Lathimashur Sadin. People wonder, if Basin can compel it, then what makes it not din? Why not just call it din at that point? So we, we say there's din, there's lefnimashur said din, and in appropriate circumstances, Basin can actually compel people to, to live up to the higher standard of lefnimashur said din. So what makes lefnimashur said din? So Rav Zalman Chemi Goldberg has a classic essay discussing this. He says that, you're right, what makes, well, the difference between din and l'fimishur said din, we're used to thinking that it has to do with the level of mandatoriness, whether we can compel or not, that's not the chiller, because according to some poskim, we can compel l'fimishur said din as well. He says, rather, the difference is, din, he says, are objective, broad-ranging, you know, stand, standardized rules that apply across a broad swath of, 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 of circumstances, that's din. 
Lefnimashurasadin is another component to the law of halacha, which may be just as binding, but it's much more situational. It's much more subjective. It's not phrased in terms of hard and fast rules. It's phrased much more in terms, it's, it's much more flexible. It's much more in a case where higher standard is appropriate based on, let's say, things like the level of wealth of the two sides, the level of piety, and so on. That's what the Meshur Zedin. It, it's not necessarily less, less, less obligatory, less incumbent upon you to do, but it's, it's much more situational, it, it's much less uh, rigid and, and, uh, and, and, and flat, absolute rules. So anyway, so the Max Avram says, there is an opinion that we're actually co-final from Meshur Zedin, and even though other posts can say we're not, and many posts can say the basin cannot be kofel from the din, but he brings from the Heish of Moshe, a famous tshuva of the Heish of Moshe, who says that Talmud Chacham v'adam chashuv v'vadeh kofel from the din. A regular person, maybe we're not kofel, but a Talmud Chacham or an adam chashuv, they are held to a higher standard, we expect more from them, and we compel them to act from the din. This is based on various things. One of the sources for this is a Gemara, is a, a lovely Gemara at the end of the seventh parak in Bav Metziah. The Gemara says that the, I'm sorry, the end of the end of the, the, the end of the sixth parak in Bav Metziah, the, the Gemara says there was a story about Rabbi Barachana or different Gershvus who it was about. He had workers who were carrying wine for him, and they were careless and they broke the barrels of wine. So he wanted to charge them for the lost wine. He seized their clothing to, for compensation for his lost wine. So they went to the Dayan. And the Dayan said, their potter, give them back their clothing. So he said, Dina hachi, is that the din? He knew the din was, they were chayef. So the Dayan said, yes, because it says in Mishlei, Laman telech b'derech tovim. You shall walk in the path of the, in the, in the way of the good. Then they countersued. The worker said, we're poor, we're hungry, we worked all day, hoping we would, uh, anticipating getting some money so we can buy dinner. And now we have nothing and we're hungry. So we want to get paid. So the Dayan said, pay them. He said, Dina it's not enough that they're not paying me. I should pay them when they broke my wine. So he said, yes, because it says, Tishmar, end Tishmar, to that Pasuk, you shall keep the paths of the, of the righteous. And the Farshim point out, the Dayan was passing. He wasn't just saying, I have a moral, I have a, I have a moral exhortation from you. It would be nice if you did this. He said, Dina He asked, is this the Din? And he said, yes, it is the Din. It sounds like he was actually ruling Lahalacha that he had to do it. So many Akronim say that this is the idea, that for, for an Adam Chashev it is the Din, for Adam Chashev it's mandatory. It may not be mandatory for everyone else, but for a Tzaddik, for an Adam Gadol, it is mandatory. So the Heishem Moshe rules this way as well, that Adam Chashev Bavadai Kofin. And then he says, then the Machzeh Avram says a tremendous, tremendus Chiddush, he says, Mizek Safti B'Tshuva, so how does this relate to us? We're talking about a community that had a Shochet, who said anything about Adam Chashev. So he says that the, I wrote in a Tshuva, Linian Poel Shachala Vyatamea Fabric, a Poel who was sick and he had to stop working at a factory. Fabric apparently is from the word fabricate, is apparently uh, some kind of European word for factory. So, so he says, a uh, Poel who had to leave his factory job because he was sick and he couldn't work. The Afalgav, the Indin Hanaka Bismanazeh, the Iker Halacha of Hanaka, the Iker Adin does not apply Bismanazeh. Nevertheless, Mikalam from Kasavachinach, he brings the same Chinach we saw, we saw before. There is an Indian of Hanaka. It's not strictly halacha, but it is definitely uh, recommended that one should give Hanaka. If someone is an Adam Chashuv, I paskined in my chuv about the factory that if it's an Adam Chashuv, we can actually paskin that way. He must do it because as we explained, that when it comes to an Adam Chashuv, he is obligated to conduct himself with Fimashur din. And now comes the punchline, according to the Mashakasa Bekas of Mishnah, in Hilchas Talmud Torah, that someone who is Maxik and Machlokis Neged Rabim, someone who is uh, quarrelsome, who engages in, in who, who, who arouses a dispute against the public, against the Rabim, is Bechlal Mavazes Achacham. Again, an unjustified dispute, obviously. It's like Mavazes Achacham. It's like someone, it's, he, he has the status of someone who humiliates. Who denigrates a Talmud Chacham? What does the public have to do with Talmud Chacham? The rabbim and have like The rabbim in halacha, the public, the community has a status of a rebbe. Of a, they have the additional rights and prerogatives of a Talmud Chacham, the right to demand respect and an extra level of of of, of good behavior from the public. So the public itself is treated as Adam Chacham, as like a yes. 
interrupt him, but, but you mentioned the, the community. I think, um, uh, can we make a distinction between the responsibility of the community to take care of somebody who is down and out, uh, whether it is somebody who broke a, uh, a, a wine cast, uh, cast or uh, somebody who, who slipped and not cannot work? Uh, can we make a distinction between the responsibility of the community to support those who cannot any longer support themselves? And responsibility of the individual who was their employer at the time, whether it is Bikul Khalim or whether it is Tabu Khacham, because I think if, if we just think whoever helped, whoever was in contact with that, with that individual who has a need, then that person is called stuck or has the, the highest responsibility, whether or not he can afford it. Bikul Khalim has other responsibilities as well, uh, in addition to paying a pension. So I, make, I think. This raises a question, you mentioned socialism before, whether it is the responsibility of a particular organization or individual to make up for, you shall not have your president among you uh, go, um, go hungry um, and ignore it. Whose responsibility is it to take care of the individual? Okay. So, uh, Jeff, I hope you can address that. Yeah, so there, there are a few points here that we need to address. So one point, I, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I, I, I'm not sure I fully understood uh, all the points you meant to bring up, but uh, a few points that I think I, I understand you're making. So first of all, even aside from this whole question of severance, of pensions, of a particular responsibility to someone who was injured or disabled or died in your service, there is an additional point that the community's responsibility is to, is to take care of everyone in the community. There's the, a the general obligation. Community is supposed to have Sadaka funds and provide for the care of, uh, of anyone in need. So the, obviously that's an obligation as well, but obviously there, 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 are, there are competing demands on the community's funds, and that obligation of tzedakah is going to be more limited. So it seems we're dealing here with a heightened responsibility to people who not only are they in need, but they also were in the community service. There's a particularly high, high priority of responsibility to those people. The question is, again, but funds are limited. We're not in, in a perfect world. We'd have unlimited funds for everyone, then all these halakhas wouldn't be relevant. But in the, in the world we live in, every, it's a question of priorities. Like we said in the Bikr Cholom Tshuva, every dollar, every ruble we give to this person is one ruble that we're not giving to Cholom uh, or Arnit. Yes, so, so I don't know the answer to that question. And that's the, when the Machsev Ram is talking about Lafim Meshur Zadin, the community should, uh, should pay this pension. So again, if, 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 we, if, if, we, if we assess a responsibility on the community, there's two possibilities. Either... They'll cut it from the budget somewhere else. They uh, they'll, they'll they'll cut they'll they'll cut money that they're paying to other people, or they'll raise taxes and raise raise dues and raise taxes and raise more money from the, the community. Certainly, if it's the latter, I guess he would feel that uh, he did his job. He's posturing that they should pay the shochet more money and that the shochet's widow more money. And, and, and if they need, need if they need to raise taxes, they should do that. The question is, if, if their budget is fixed and then they have whatever money they're going to have, and to the extent that they pay the, this pension, they're not going to have money for tzedakah for poor people. They're not going to have money for achnasas kalo or for pidyon shvuyim or to support, uh, to send people to school who have no, uh, who can't afford tuition. So the, well, they're not going to pay the teachers, you know, so they're not going to be able to, 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 to maintain the mikvah. So again, the question is, what, how do you balance these priorities? That, that obviously is a very difficult question, which he's not addressing, and I agree it's, uh, I agree that it is difficult to discuss these in a vacuum, especially when you're dealing with Sadaka money. But I'll call upon him. This, this is the position he takes. So let, let's just finish this tshuva, and then we can discuss it maybe a little bit more afterward. But he says that we have this idea that a rabbim is like in Adam Chashuv. Now, in the, in the Kesev Mishnah's context, that was uh, the privileges of the rabbim. The rabbim has the, has the right to expect a higher standard of respect and deference than individuals do. But who din in terms of their obligations, not just their rights, their obligations as well. Says the Machs Avram, his punchline is, a very, very powerful doctrine. Later, Post can discuss it as well. We're not going to have time to get into it, but that the Tzibur is expected to act on a higher standard of Lefimashur Sadin in the Tshuva's Pa'as Sadacha, or by Monk in the mid 20th century in Eretz Yisrael. He has a Tshuva where he discusses this at length, this idea that the Rabbim is considered uh, an Adam Chashuv and we hold them to a higher standard, and that therefore they should pay severance even if a yachid wouldn't have to, because uh, a rabbin has a, is held to a higher standard, a tzibur, a community, is expected to behave, to behave in, uh, in, in, in a uh, more, more noble and upright way than we, than we have the right to demand of, a, of an individual. And therefore, this is the Maxi Avram's conclusion, that this is the Minog and Klai Yisrael, he says, that, based, that the communities continue to pay uh, compensation to the, 
the widow of the of the, of, of the communal official who who died in the in, in the service of the community. It might it, it might not be strictly a chiyuf, he says, but it's l'fnim ashur sadin, which some say you're kofa anybody, some say you're kofa and l'chalapachs you kofa an adam chashuv and a tzibur is like an adam chashuv, and therefore his conclusion is very similar to Rabbi Perlmutter that even though there's no there's no formal rigorous obligation to pay severance in halacha. It is an obligation of Nimishur Sadin, it's, it's modeled on Hanaka, Nimishur Sadin in general, and therefore he says, for when it comes to a Tzibur in particular, we can obligate them to you to this higher standard under this principle of Nimishur Sadin. Now, again, the question that we were just discussing, that Max brought up, is a very important one that it, it's always nice to say, do Nimishur Sadin, but when you're the community, you're, out, you're often operating with a non elastic, uh, zero sum zero-sum game budget, and telling the community to pay money to him. And Ray Perlmutter himself actually raised this question in his Bikr Cholom Tshuva. He said, if we pay, they raised this point, the Gabayim said, if we pay the money to this person, we'll have that many hundreds of rubles left to, to support the actual Cholom. Ray Perlmutter, as far as I could see, never really acknowledged that point. He just said, oh, so what? That obligation is to pay them, and pay him, and you should pay him. He doesn't really engage the question of, well, is that, is that a price worth paying? Is, the, is depriving the Cholom of several hundred rubles uh, a price worth paying, he seems to assume that it is. Similarly with the Mach Zavram, he seems to be assuming, he, again, either he's assuming the community will just raise more money, that the budget is actually uh, not zero-sum, it's actually elastic, or he's assuming that the Lefimashur Zedin, this is such a clear-cut and well-defined Lefimashur Zedin obligation, that it is worth, uh, it is worth paying, even if it will, it will cause the community to compromise on other projects they'd like to have. Again, one could argue at Kol Indian if the community says, we're going to be forced, you know, to shut down the shul, or we're going to be forced to uh, not pay other people. Maybe, maybe that's not worth doing. But, uh, but, but in general, in a vacuum, he says, the community is bound by a standard of Fimashur Sadin to pay severance. So we'll, we'll, we'll stop around here. I'll, I'll just mention that, as I said, there are a number of other tshuvas th- throughout the 20th century in the U.S., in Israel, elsewhere, discussing this idea that Severance should be paid based on Lefimashur Zadin. Postcom have distinctions. What, what, if it's, what if it's a contractor? Some postcom say severance only, the meaning only applies to an employee, not a contractor. What if it's his fault that he got fired? What, what if he was fired for uh, incompetence? Maybe he's not entitled to severance. Postcom have all kinds of further chuvas, but, but these are two of the early chuvas, the two of the earliest chuvas I found that discuss the question. And both of them take roughly the same, the same stance. They both say Mikra Din, of course, is no chiv. Mitzad Sheni, there is an obligation of Lefimashur Zadin, based on Hanako or based on Lefimashur Zadin in general. On the one hand, Lefimashur Zadin may not be uh, something we can compel people to do. On the other hand, if the, if the employer wants to do Lefimashur Zadin, as in the case of Rai Perlmutter, if they had promised and they wanted to do Lefimashur Zadin even now, or in the case of the Mach Zavram, if the, if the employer is a Tibur or an Adam Chashuv, who are required, who are, who are held to a higher standard, and are expected to act with the Meshur Zedin, they indeed must pay severance, even in the absence of any real halakhic obligation, because, we, because they are expected to act with the Meshur Zedin and, uh, and to live up to this higher standard.